0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Podcast episode, I talk with Jeff Reynolds about reinvigorating marketing leadership within organizations. Jeff Reynolds, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: How great to be here.
0: It is great to be with you. You're joining us from the Boise, Idaho area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about how organizations can go about reinvigorating marketing leadership within their teams, within their organization. Uh, So a lot of the topics we typically discuss on this podcast today, specifically within the marketing leadership kind of context and realm. As we get started, I wanted to share Jeff's bio with everybody. Jeff Reynolds is an entrepreneur, author, and business advisor who coaches established companies to think and act more like startups, and startup founders grow into established companies. In his recent book, The Monster That Ate Marketing, Jeff lays out a framework that helps marketing leaders design a better, more strategically aligned modern marketing department, in his spare time, he invests and sits on the board of two fast-growing startups, travels the world, and writes. His work and words have been featured by Good Morning America, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times, among many others. Again, a pleasure to have you, Jeff. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background and personal context?
1: No, I. Dive I on oh, no, no, no I'm, I, I think that about, that gave me the basics, thrilled to be here.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, so let's start with, you You have a recent book, The Monster That Ate Marketing, uh, which I find to be an intriguing title. And again, uh, I imagine it fits under the umbrella of really what you spend a lot of, of your time talking about, and that is how to, to reinv- reinvigorate marketing leadership. So tell us, uh, as we start off, just a little bit about the book, how it came to be, what you're trying to accomplish with it, and then we can dive more into the specific topic for today.
1: Yeah, well, the, my main aim is, is to try to wake marketing leadership up to the fact that their job, you know, is not just marketing, i.e. it's not just SEO or advertising or all the, all the sort of doing, but leadership is about organizational design. And in a world where, you know, we have more data than ever, more tools than ever, more channels than ever, more to do's than ever but yet we're still just the same old human beings. Um, The marketing function, I believe, and specifically the marketing leadership function, needs to change and evolve. So the goal of the book was, A, just to raise this discussion. That was my number one point. Uh, You know, like the first third is sort of a treatise on uh, on, on just, hey, we have a problem here, and we're not going to fix it by doing the same old things. And then the next third goes into some principles that we've outlined and we've used in my organization to to, uh, a, to address some of those core issues. And then the final third is practices and very specific tactical ways to put all that to work. So my, it, 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 sort of serves all functions, but the main goal is just to open the dialogue with leaders about this, this issue.
0: Yeah. And you talk about the redesign of the marketing function, marketing roles, and particularly within marketing leadership positions. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, Why is redesign so important? I mean, more broadly speaking, when we talk about the the nature of the current, the modern workforce, the future of work, we talk about uh, technological disruptions. We talk about redesigning for the future of work. So I imagine some of those components play into this, but tell us a little bit more what you mean by uh, thinking through uh, work design and redesign of the marketing function and leadership.
1: Yeah. In some ways, this seems so fundamental. It's kind of embarrassing that we have to talk about it. Um, but it, what I'm really talking about is getting clear on the purpose of your marketing department. Why do you exist? What, what, is the de- what value is the department bringing to the company? And most marketing leaders, if you ask them, they can't really clearly articulate that. So that's really the first step. And then, you know, everything else is really all about that alignment, aligning sort of, so defining the goals, you know, the purpose, the goals, the strategies to achieve those goals. And then really what I'm focused on is how do we build the capacity as an organization to actually suit and meet that, those challenges, because what's happening is people, you know, companies have a marketing department and it's, and and it sort of creates its own culture and its own sort of gravitational pool. You know, what I mean by that is its own limits, um, you know, and, but the question is, are those limits real or and are those limits actually, I guess, serving the organization's broader uh, business goals? So really, my, my argument here is let's figure out, uh, let's break down what we mean by capacity, you know, and, 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 and dive in and intentionally design that to intentionally go through the organizational design process to make that, you know, actually useful to the organization. Hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think it's always important to start with your why, your purpose, uh, why do you exist, right? And it's so easy for us to have mission creep, purpose creep, uh, and to get caught up in the day-to-day grind of everything that we're doing, and then we get out of alignment with whatever that core purpose is. And then you mentioned towards the tail end of your comment, which I think is really spot on, uh, and that is, are, are these restrictions, there's, there's all these policies, practices, procedures, bureaucracy within organizations, uh, meant in in many ways. I mean, really, the the fundamental purpose of bureaucracy is to sustain and maintain organizations, to help them to to stay safe and protected, and to to perpetuate themselves, right? And so, on the one hand, you can say, yeah, they make sense; they're there for a reason, um, and and we we follow, you know, we fall within the lines, right? And then we're safe and we're protected. The irony of that. Mentality, and that's a bit of an old school mentality. I think, especially as with the, the fast changing nature of work, is that so many of those bureaucratic policies, practices, and procedures that perhaps served us well at one point in time, now they're really hindering us. They're limiting us, and in many cases, the reason they those policies, practices, and procedures were put in place in the first place aren't even relevant anymore. And so it's just an uh, in a historic artifact of the past. And nobody's ever really thought to question it, and we just say, "Well, that's just the way we do things," and that and and that's what you have to do. Uh, and so, let's get beyond that. Let's question and challenge the status quo. Let's let's uh, make sure we're crystal clear on why those types of limitations are in place, and when appropriate, let's maintain those limitations and those restrictions because they keep us safe and they make sure everyone is is treated fairly and equitably and so forth. But beyond that, let's let's open things up so we can be more creative. Uh, and so when we think about the redesign of work, let's get outside of the box a little bit and let's let's think about how we can push the envelope and, and really unlock the creativity and the innovation and the potential of our people. And that's typically not going to happen if we're locking them into a cage in the first place, buried under all these policies, practices, and procedures.
1: A hundred percent. And I would add to that, what we're really doing is just stacking you know a list of activities on top of these procedures so the book opens with this metaphor of the marketing blob and it's from that 1955 movie if you remember the blob where that you know it comes alien life form lands on earth starts absorbing everything and grows into this monstrous uh you know uh, life form that then the military has to come in and destroy and and that's what work has become especially i think for marketers and that's i think the real thing is we can't just, we simply can't keep going the way we're going and expect to be able to keep the best people and to keep doing great work because that blob is consuming our life, that bureaucracy. I'm not necessarily anti-procedures process bureaucracy to all the points you brought, but the point, my point is it's not as simple as just you know, throwing a new process on top of 50 old processes. And and I think that's the challenge where marketing departments are, because marketing departments, the reality is marketing departments are built for the 1960s or 70s. They're built for built for the madmen era. And we don't live, we now live as I saw a, a cartoon somewhere, a meme online somewhere. You know, we're now in the admin era. So madmen versus admin. And and our organizations need to be built to reflect that. And, and so that, that bottom line is that's yeah. where I'm, trying, that those are the way I'm trying to look at it is we can't just look, if, if we want to keep the, from having massive brain drain in our, in my side <laughs> of the industry, we need yeah, to fix yeah. this.
0: Yeah. Well, and that gets actually to the next question. It's a tough time in the marketing uh, function and, and industry. And why are so many marketing leaders today languishing in this environment? And why, why are they struggling?
1: Well, a lot of it is the miracle of technology has become a prison of our own design. So I specifically mean attribution. So marketing attribution is this idea, you know, Google Analytics, right? Where we can track anything um, and we can know uh, you know what people are doing, and theoretically know our results. The problem with that is that in the real world, it's not nearly as a straight line. So if you if you own a, a direct to consumer you know, a uh, bathing suit company or something, and you can, you run Facebook ads, people see those ads, they click on it and you can say, oh, that Facebook ad g- gave me that sale. That's great. But most organizations are much more complex with dealer networks, especially B2B. We specialize in B2B space spaces and, and um, and you know, it's in it, the attribution, so the attribution just becomes a lie that you're telling yourself. And so in some ways I'm arguing for actually like a marketing minimalism where we, Actually try to do less, but get really clear on the activities that we're doing um, so that we, we're, we're not languishing because the languishing, in my opinion, comes from basically chasing false metrics and, and they're not bad metrics they can be I, I say they're not they're false not in that they're inaccurate, although there's a higher degree of inaccuracy than most people care to admit, but the, uh, you know that they're false because we believe they're telling us something that they're not actually telling us.
0: Yeah, and 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 it's essentially we're measuring all these different things. And some of them are actually telling us what we're hoping to understand, but but there's the sacred cows of metrics that perhaps aren't even all that valuable. And I I can't help but think whenever I think about data analytics and metrics, I think of the book and then the movie Moneyball. And I don't know if you're familiar with oh, this, yeah. but you know, the, the idea at one point, there's the quote uh in the movie, uh, we're measuring all the wrong things, right? So the history of baseball for a century and a half has focused on these key metrics. And those are the ones we, we, we monitor and then we, we draft based on those and we, we make contracts based on those and we build our teams around those. And it turns out all of those things were wrong. They're not actually the best metrics to know if we're actually being successful. And I, I think about that, whether we're talking about marketing analytics or people analytics or whatever, uh, so often we 're just measuring the wrong things and we measure those wrong things really well, and then we make decisions based on whatever the outcomes of those wrong metrics are and then we wonder why isn 't this working out the way we thought it was going to work and so we got to get super crystal clear on what actually matters, what are the metrics that matter and and then and then focus on those and then let the other stuff go. I mean, we can still, I, I guess if it we're naturally collecting data on it, we can monitor it and see if over time something else emerges as a key metric. But I mean, we, we ch- end up chasing our tails, uh, you know, trying to put together these reports uh, constantly on metrics that actually don't even matter. And it, as the old saying goes, what often is measured doesn't matter and what matters can't be measured. And so, you know, let's let's just be realistic about what we're trying to accomplish with these metrics.
1: Yeah, and I think a big part of this is- Of it is that people get confused, and the the measurement becomes the mission. You know, you start getting obsessed with measurement instead of results. And, and the, the reason for that is it's easy to know, you know, to pick a simple one, that web traffic is up and that seems positive, like who, you know, generally people say, of course that's positive, but that's a lot easier to say that, that I've succeeded based on that than it is to say that I'm, you know, helping, uh, I've changed a customer's mind to consider, uh, a product, you know, purchasing a product that they had never purchased from us or whatever, because that's the that's not measurable because that's in your consumer's mind. It's a lot harder to measure anyway, um, and so we get obsessed with the wrong things. And what I would say is, as we we're getting obsessed with the wrong things, the other things keep stacking up on top of us, and 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 then we just we drive ourselves crazy. And I think, you know, the, fundamentally to me, it's if we don't figure out how to change this then marketing will be taken over effectively either by sales or just pushed into an administration straight-up function where their only job is to create reports instead of being a, a strategic um, you know, driver of the organization. And, and that's really what I'm, what I'm trying to get marketer, marketing leadership to understand.
0: Well, yeah, I I think that's a really important point. Not to mention, just with disruptive technologies and AI and deep machine learning, that more and more of what you know a a marketer may have done in previous generations or even just recently can can be automated. It can be um, you know picked up by software or AI. And so, let's look at where the value add is at this point, right? And and what's going to really matter in terms of moving an organization for strategically to bring value to the market. Let's focus on those things. Uh, so this, I mean, that kind of alludes to the next question, but, you know, what are those unique challenges that marketing departments and, and marketing leaders face that perhaps other organizational leaders aren't really attuned to, that they're not facing, they're not trying to grapple with daily?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they're, the first thing is all the unknowns, right? so if you're if you're the guy in charge of operations or you know of a building a factory, it it can be pretty clear whether the factory has the throughput that's expected, you know, if your layout is right for efficiency, all those things. with mar- in marketing land, it, there's so many more unknowns. We just simply don't know um, if something's working because of long sales cycles and and all the human elements of it all. Um, so there's that aspect, you know, and, and over over time, of course, you know, things like, I'll just pick a famous one because it's so easy, is like, a just do it. There was no analytic that led Dan Wyden uh, to pitch that and know that that was going to be, uh, you know, the creation of a, you know, a gargantuan billion, multi-billion dollar um, um, brand value effort. Um, It was a gut instinct. And uh, so gut instinct is more important in marketing generally than other places, which people don't like to talk about, but it's true. Um, And that's the human judgment. Um, And then, so that's one thing. But the other thing, and I think all parts of organizations have this, but I just think it's really extreme in marketing, that all this technology we're talking about, it's all designed to make somebody else money. It's all So Google Analytics doesn't exist to actually help us. It, it exists to convince you that to buy more Google products, specifically Google Ads, and to show that it's working. And this is very extreme in marketing, right? Like if you were to look at my phone and see how many calls a day I get from and emails, you know, of sales pitching for all this marketing technology, and these sort of marketing technology is sold as a silver bullet. And because it's sold as a silver bullet, and because marketing is so based on gut instinct, there becomes this confusion. Like, is my gut wrong? Will HubSpot save my business? Will, you know? Maybe I just need to do it, because or I have this fear of missing out uh, on something. And so it's, all those issues are very extreme in marketing. And the, the result is that there's just so... And in fact, even the CEO, your CEO knows, oh, wait, are we using this latest technology or that latest technology? And, and, and that puts pressure on the marketing leader to do things that may not be the right thing for the organization. Um, and, and so I think those two things kind of come together, sort of the mix of unknowns and needing gut instinct, and then this push by third party vendors to sell you a magic bullet to sort of relieve that tension you get because you're, you have to trust your gut. And that causes pain. And I want to make sure. I don't mean to drag on, but I just want to say I am not opposed to any of this stuff. I'm I'm a huge marketing technology user. Um, uh, uh, You know, I'm an advocate for these these tools. It's just that we've gone too far with it, and we've relied on. And they've sort of oversold and overpromised compared to what uh, they can actually deliver.
0: Yeah, exa- exactly. So let's be clear, right about it, right? Uh, I'm all for making data informed decisions yes. and to utilize technology to the greatest extent extent possible to help us to become more effective, efficient, uh, productive, and to to eliminate you know unhealthy bias in decision making, all that sort of stuff, right? That's all super important. We need to do that, um, but there's also when you talk about the pendulum swing, right. And that's, that's what I hear you you yeah. mentioning is has the p- pendulum swung a little bit too far perhaps. Uh, and I, and I see that all the time, again, not just in terms of marketing analytics, but I see people who, who take something that's an inherently um, uh, an inherently unknowable thing. Uh, it's, it's inherently something that we're just going to have to use our best human judgment on and, uh, and, and then they, they, they attach metrics to it, and then they think that that makes it unbiased, that that makes it, uh, 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 that, that'll provide us a really clear picture. And that's just not the case. Like There are just things that are really hard to measure, if not impossible to measure. And it doesn't matter if I tack on a five-point Likert scale to it or not, uh, that gives kind of this air of, of, uh, of consistency. Uh, it, it, it gives us a sense that, you know, we're being really objective, uh, but it's still an inherently subjective process. And we're just, we're just layering, you know, this faux objectivity on top of it. So that's what I see sometimes when I see the pendulum going too far. Uh, let's, let's just be clear about that and, and acknowledge where the limitations are, utilize data to the extent possible when appropriate, uh, utilize the tools around us that are necessary to help us better understand what's going on but also recognize that, you know, as the old saying goes, uh, you can lie with statistics just like with anything else. And that that's just so true. So let's not put too much stock into data, especially when it comes from a third-party vendor that their whole uh, model of business is built upon making you feel the need for getting more of their metrics,
1: right? Exactly. And, you know, all of this, Absolutely all this just boils down to human limitations. You know, we have to recognize, use the phrase clear-eyed. I, I love that because I do think that that's what it comes down to. We have to recognize what humans can do, what we can control, and 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 then design organizations that actually live for that or are built around that that reality, not built around what a third party, you know, HubSpot, not to pick on them, it's a great product. But it, the reality is how can you launch a product into your system if you don't even know what your person, what your goals are for the organization or how you're trying to use it? But that happens every day of, 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 the, of the calendar. You know, I, I mean, tons of companies overinvest, for another example, in like social media marketing, organic social media marketing. And they do this for one simple reason. They don't know what else to do. You know, when they, it's something they can control. It gives them a false sense of control. They can, they can put something out there. And I'm not saying social media, organic social media marketing doesn't work. Of course it works. It works tremendously for a lot of companies and a lot of organizations. Well, And
0: then you get all, you get all these nice reports. It looks pretty. <laughs> it, it makes you feel like you're, you're moving the needle. The question exactly. is, are you really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and your boss sees it, and somebody, you know, yeah, these nice little conversations. And I like when, when we uh, in my consulting practice, when we take somebody on, I love to do an analysis of, like, say their LinkedIn posts and look at those metrics, and then compare, let's say, the engagement to their to their who how how many of those people who engage are employees or vendors of theirs, and it ends up being almost all of them in almost all organizations, especially in our sort of the unsexy world in the B two B world. It doesn't mean you can't it doesn't mean you can't have a great strategy in that space. It just means that in order to have that great strategy, you need to see things clearly and then build an organization that will, that will get you there instead of just doing things and, you know, wandering around pulling levers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know at the time, I only have you for a few more minutes, but last quick, uh, last quick question uh, which I'm sure we could talk for endlessly about, but uh, I, I just want to get your, your thoughts on a few quick ideas around what needs to change to make marketing departments healthier, smarter, and more effective moving forward.
1: Yeah, well, this is really the meat of it. I mean, we could have started here, and like you said, it's a big topic, but the first thing is I think we need to begin treating le- marketing leadership as its own practice, just like human resources leadership and, and these sorts of things. So there are plenty of marketing conferences but there are not very many conferences, if any, for marketing leaders, for example. And, and market, you know, marketers, this isn't particularly important because marketers come a lot of times out of the creative space. You know, they were copywriters or designers or something then sort of moved up the channel and suddenly they find themselves managing people and projects and they have no clue what they're doing. So first thing I would say is organizations need to um, uh, really invest in the actual pra- the practice of and craft of marketing leadership. And the second thing... You know, due to limitations of time, I'll I'll stop with two things. But the, um, the the second thing I would focus on is realizing that there's simply not enough time in the day, or enough resources. We're too constrained by time, money, and energy to simply keep adding more and more tasks, more to dos, more channels without making any other changes. Because all you're doing is is keeping everybody very busy but not actually making any progress towards your actual aims. And so I'm, like I said earlier, I'm really advocating for a sort of marketing minimalism where we strip everything back down to the chassis and rebuild up based on our why and then our goals. And and I really think if we don't do that, sure, you're going to have plenty of people in a marketing department uh, who look like they're busy and they're stressed out and harried and all that, but they're not, you know, the return on investment isn't there. And even worse from a human perspective, their lives, the, you know, the, the people's lives are not good. It's stressful. Talk, marketers don't sleep well. <laughs> marketers, you know, are always feel like they're missing out. And I think unless we change that, we're, we, we're really just doomed to the marketing department sliding into, um, you know, essentially obsolescence um, or an administrative function, like I mentioned earlier. So
0: yeah. those would be the yeah. two
1: things I'd focus on. And I think if we can get there, I think we're pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of principles, things like sure. learning and all these things, you know. But that building learning, learning organization, all this. But at the end of the day, it, we we have to. We're at a place where we need to strip it down and start even more base level than that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has just been a fascinating conversation. I encourage listeners to reach out to to connect with Jeff, to check out his book and to find out more about what he and his team can do for you. Now, Jeff, a final word before we close, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, and then we'll wrap up.
1: Yeah. Uh, the best way is jeffreynolds.com. Uh, and there you'll find sort of links to the book, the monster Day marketing, as well as sort of other things that I do, speaking workshops, consulting, that sort of things, those sort of things. So jeffreynolds.com, just really appreciate you. Uh, thrilled thrilled to spend this time with you, John.
0: Thank you so much, Jeff. Again, I hope everyone will reach out, get connected. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. You enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please